Hello friends, welcome to the Hillside Church podcast. My name is Brad and I serve Hillside Church as the lead pastor. We're so glad to be able to share God's word with you in this way. God has so much in store for you and for your life. And one of the ways God works in our lives is through the study of his word, like the message you're about to hear. Our prayer for you is that as you share in this message, if it's me preaching or if it's someone else, is that God's word would minister to your heart and life in a most powerful way. Thanks again for being part of our church family. God bless you. You can join me in Daniel chapter 1 this morning. This week we're beginning a new sermon series. And what we're going to do is we're going to actually take the next couple of weeks to have some discussions around an issue that, that I think we as believers, we, we continually wrestle with for, for what amounts to, to our, our whole existence here on on. In, in this life that, are, that we wrestle with ever since there was believers. And we can read that all the way back into Acts. And, and if you go all the way back, still even in the Bible, we see believers wrestling with this issue of culture. And we can read in, in Acts where they have the Council of Jerusalem and, and there's these discussions and, and, and the apostles, the, the first generation of Christians, the, the people who walked and talked with Jesus, and they had to wrestle with culture. And what does culture look like? And how do we as Christians respond to culture? And, and how do we allow culture to inform us? And how do we not allow culture to inform us? And so it started back then. And it continues all the way through till now. And so what we're going to talk about is, is what it means and what it looks like for us to be Christians in our culture today. What does it mean for us to live for Christ, to show Christ, to walk out Christ in the world today? Because we live inside of a culture that, that we as Christians, we're, we're called to live inside of. Not just grit our, grit our teeth and bear it. Not to somehow allow culture to exist around us and, and us to just sort of stand and go, I'm not going to be a part of this. Not for us to be removed from, not for us to be, to be taken away from, that, that somehow we're going to all move into a compound and just ignore the culture and live away from it. But we're, we're called to live inside the culture and exist inside of it to make a difference in it. I've heard, I've heard it put this way. We are not at war with our culture. We are the culture. We're not at war with the culture we're in. We are a part of that culture. We don't war with our culture. It's not somehow that we're at odds with culture or with our own culture. We are a part of that culture. Now, the question might come then, are we influencing the culture the way that we would like to be? But we're not at war with culture. We are a part of culture. We are called to live for Jesus, to be Christ-like inside of our culture. Whatever I or you or we might think about culture, either good or bad, we are called to live and be a part of culture and to shape culture. And so we're going to talk about how do we live this out. Now, we're not going to talk about certain issues inside of culture and say, this is how a Christian needs to respond. Because as we're going to talk about, that's not what God is looking for us to do. It's, God's not looking for us to be single-minded. God's not looking for us to say, this is what a Christian must do in response to this. 
But what God is looking for us to do is, in our response to things, live them out in a certain way. Be a Christian in a certain way. And a Christian isn't necessarily everybody thinks the same way, but it is that everybody needs to have certain values that inform how we act about how we think. We're going to look at some of the principles that will help shape not how we feel about an issue, but some things from Scripture that must shape what we do with how we feel about an issue. And to do that, we're going to look at the book of Daniel over the next couple of weeks. Um, we're not really doing a series on Daniel. You know, sometimes we'll do a series on a book and, and we're going to dive into the, to all of the context and the circumstances and, and deeply into everything that's going on. We're not going to do that with the book of Daniel, but rather we're just going to use some stories from the book of Daniel to sort of highlight for us what we need to do as a people who live inside of a culture. Daniel's going to serve as a roadmap for finding, finding these principles. Because if you don't know, if you're not familiar with the book of Daniel, Daniel's an Old Testament prophet. Um, if you don't know the Old Testament, it's not written in order. Um, so you, if you're if you looking in your Old Testament, it's not written in chronological order. But Daniel was, was an Old Testament prophet. And the, the book of Daniel, it's 12 chapters, divided up essentially into two chunks. The first chunk is the story of the life of Daniel. And the second chunk is Daniel's prophetic prophecies that he gives where he even actually gets insight into what end times and all of that is going to look like. But we're going to look at the first kind of six chapters of Daniel because Daniel was somebody who was, who was put inside of a culture. And then Daniel needed to figure out how to live inside of that culture, not withdraw from it, not, not fight against it, not go to war with it. He had to live inside of a culture but he had to live for God inside of a culture. And so over the, the course of the next four weeks, we're going to try and answer this question. How do you stand firm with God while living in a rapidly changing culture? Now, as much as we're not doing a study of the book of Daniel, I do need to look and have a look at some context. So, so first, we're going we're to look at Daniel chapter 1 today and, and look at something that takes place in this chapter. But what we're really going to do today, actually, I'll talk about it in a second. We'll, we'll read the first, the first couple of verses here. It says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Uh, besieged is a fancy word for he won. Um, he took it over. He conquered, he conquered Jerusalem. And, and the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands, along with some of the articles from the temple. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure of the house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring to, into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility. Young men, without any physical defects, handsome, showing aptitude in every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, qualified to serve in the king's palace, probably named Brad. He was to teach them the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table, and they were to be trained there for three years, and after that, they were to enter into the king's service. 
Among those chosen were, from Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So God's people have been conquered, and some of them have been carried away to Babylon to serve, actually to serve in the king's house, not, not just to be in captivity, but, but to really serve in a place of prominence and, and a place that people that weren't, you know, people from Babylon would say, I would like that gig. I'd like to do that. But they've been, they've been brought there, and on the list of, of names is, is our guy Daniel. He, he's been taken and put in the midst of a culture. Babylon had a culture that was different than Israel. And so, and so different than Judah, different in where he came from. And so he's been brought and placed inside of this culture. But before, to, in order for us to move forward with understanding how to live inside of a culture... We, we need to understand what it means to live inside of culture and see, see what culture tries to do to everyone. This isn't something that culture just tries to do to Christians. It's something that just the mere existence of culture does, and we need to understand what it does in order to help us live inside of it. And so that's really what we're going to talk about this morning, is not necessarily here's, here's some things to, to teach us how to live inside of culture, because before that, we need to understand what it is that culture is going to do to us, to see the effects that culture tries to have on us. And so as Daniel and all the other cultures are, are moved into a new culture, or Daniel and all the other people are moved into a new culture, we can see the effect that this new culture immediately tries to have in verse 7. The chief official gave them new names, new names to Daniel. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego, or Abendigo, depending on, on how you want to get in the weeds with that. But a big reason for this is that the king and for conquering nations is, is they didn't want these people brought from Israel, even if they were going to be in a place of importance and a place of prominence and a place of significance inside the king's house. They didn't want you to forget who you were. That, you know, we like you, we think you've got, we, we think you show some potential, we think that you could really develop into something. But don't forget where you came from, kid. Don't, don't get, don't think for a minute that, that you are okay, or that you are somehow in, in a place where you're no longer conquered. Don't forget where you came from, kid. You're somewhere else now, don't, don't forget it. And so the first thing that we need to see about culture from Daniel is that culture wants to determine your identity. Culture wants to shape your identity. Culture wants us to find our identity in a great number of things, in any number of things. Culture says sexuality should become your identity. Power should become your identity. Wealth should become your identity. Influence become your identity. Masculinity become your identity. Femininity become your identity. How you feel about this issue or that issue, that needs to become your identity. And then if someone disagrees with you about any of those things, they're not disagreeing with you about something. They're disagreeing with you, who you are. Fundamentally, because these things become our identity. And so if someone says, no, I'm not sure I agree with that, it's not about whether or not how, how we feel about something. It becomes an attack on who, who we are. 
And it causes us to have our identity and who we are so confused as it, as it would be to, to, to have our, our, our idea of who we are totally become lost in translation. Let me give you this example. We're talking about Daniel. The name Daniel means God is my judge. That's a good name. A strong name. It's, it's the gospel, really. It's the gospel of Jesus saying that God is the one who will judge me. It's a good and it's a right name. God is my judge. That's what Daniel means. His name gets changed to Belteshazzar. You know what Belteshazzar means? Lady, protect the king. God is my judge. Lady, protect the king. That who he is, his identity, it's not just changed, but, but it, it is completely modified. It is completely changed. It, it, who he is, what his name means, goes from the gospel of Jesus to lady protect the king. Let's look at the other guys mentioned with Daniel to see how their name changes. First, we have Hananiah. Hananiah means God has been gracious. We sang that. We sang, all my life you have been faithful. All my life you've been so, so good. The, the testimony of the name of Hananiah is in God's goodness and his love and his graciousness towards us. Well, Hananiah becomes Shadrach. And Shadrach means, I am fearful of God. That the testimony goes from God is good and right and loving. God has been gracious to me to you need to be afraid of God. You need to be fearful of God. You need to, to not have this picture of God as gracious. You need to understand that God is angry and God is out to get you and you need to be afraid. Next we have, we have Michelle which means who is like God? Who is like our God? It's a cry of worship. Who is like our God? Our God is great. Our God is amazing. Who is like our God? But when culture wants to shape our identity, when culture wants to shape how we see ourselves and how we understand us, it gives us a name like Meshach, which means I am despised, contemptible, and humiliated. Then we have Azariah. Azariah, the last of the fellows, the Lord has helped. Another good name, a testimony of God's goodness, a testimony of who God has been in the journey of life through all the ups and downs. God has helped me in the front entryway. You may have, have noticed when you come in, there's a stone that sits on the floor in the front entryway and it's got something written on it and it's kind of hard to understand and kind of hard to see. But it's a quote from, from, I think it's 1 Samuel, where it says, thus far the Lord has helped us. It's a testimony of God's goodness. Well, he becomes Abendigo, Abendigo, servant of Nabu. You serve someone else now. The Lord has been faithful to me. Well, you don't serve him anymore. Your name now means servant of someone else. God's not a part of your story anymore, God's not a part of your life anymore. You can move on. 
Now, if, if you're one of the kids who've got one of those bags inside, or inside there, there's a little sheet where you can look up the meaning of your name and discover what it is that, that your name means and, and all of that. And there's a little QR code you can scan with your cell phone and it'll, it'll do all, or help you do all of that. But culture wants to determine your identity. That as we stand in the truth of who we are in Jesus Christ, culture wants to give us a new name. But it won't be who you really are. It won't be what you really are. It won't be who you were created to be. This is what culture wants to do with us. It wants to confuse our identity, to, to walk down a path with identity that the world has given to us and to, to push us into a category and say, there, there, now that's who you are. You think God has been gracious, but, but really you're contemptible and you're humiliated. You think that you love God, you serve someone else. And, who, and, say, and they want to be able to say who we are. They will tell us that needs to become who, who you are. That this is who you are. And you need to understand that that's your identity. And so we're faced with a choice. Do, do we acclaim, claim the identity that we have in Christ? Do we stand on that? That, that we are who the Bible says we are? That, that we are a child of God? Created in his image, saved by grace, set free from sin, sanctified and justified, and called to love. Is that who we are? And do we allow that to become our identity, to stand firm? Or do we allow the world to do that? Because if we don't stand firm on our identity in Christ, the world will gladly claim it. The world will gladly say, okay, good, here's who you are. Here's what you need to know about what's true about you. Let's go back, back to Daniel, see how this, this story continues to unfold. Verse 8. Uh, but Daniel resolved not to sorry, <laughs> Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile or defile himself this way. So we read there that Daniel was resolved. Other translations will say things like, Daniel was determined. Daniel had committed himself. But Daniel had already made a choice. Daniel was determined to not just allow the culture he was in to begin to dictate who and what he was going to do and to be. Even as he lives inside of this culture, even as it tries to give him a new name and to change his identity, Daniel has resolved, he has determined, he has set himself and said that I will not allow culture to change what it is that I'm going to do. The second thing that, that we need to understand is that culture wants to compromise our standards. They changed his name to try and change his identity. And now they were coming to Daniel and, and asking him to just kind of tweak a little bit. Just, just adjust a little bit in, in what you think is right. What his identity in God has told him that he shouldn't do. Now, for you and for I, th this part of the story can, can seem a little odd. I mean, why not just eat the food? 
mean, if you're living in Babylon, the best food you're going to get is the food from the king's table. Why would you not say yes to that? And actually, really, the Bible doesn't clearly explain why he couldn't eat it. At least in this specific circumstance. There, there are some guesses that, that people will have about the, the food not being acceptable based on the Levitical laws. But we don't know that that's why. And, but probably the best explanation as to why Daniel resolved to not eat the food regardless of what it was. Was that Daniel understood that, that eating the king's food represents relationship with the king represents accepting the king's authority and even represents accepting the king's friendship we there's a few places in the old testament where where in order to to demonstrate a covenant relationship where where two people said we're entering into relationship with one another what they do is they share a meal together and in fact uh, jehoshaphat king of Judah, in 2 Kings chapter 25, he shares a meal with a Babylonian king to demonstrate just that. To say, we, we are in a relationship. We are in a covenant together. See, Daniel, Daniel doesn't refuse the training of the king. It's not somehow that, that the, the, the thing that he's going to do in the next while, that he, he says no to all of it. He accepts the training of the king and But he does draw a line at eating the king's food because it's a public declaration of dependency and relationship with the king. And Daniel wants no confusion. He really, or he does not rely on Nebuchadnezzar, but only on the Lord. See, this may not have seemed like such a big deal. You need food, you've got to eat. This is the food you have the opportunity to eat. And if we remember, it wasn't table scraps. The verse told us it was, it was the king's royal food. It was the best. It was the king's. This is food that, that for pretty much everybody in the entire Babylonian empire, they would die to have an opportunity to eat this food. You know, this is, this is the most esteemed of esteemed places. You can eat the same food as the king. So why not eat it? Why not compromise here? I doubt anyone would have not understood if Daniel had eaten. I doubt that if Daniel had eaten, that we would have sermon series where we point to Daniel and his compromise here and say, what a fool. I think we would probably, even for us, look and go, yeah, I get why he would have eaten it. I probably would have done the same thing too. But Daniel knows that a compromise, even a small one, doesn't lead us towards God's righteousness. Compromising what God has for us doesn't lead us closer to God. Compromising what God has for us only, only will lead us further away from what God has for us. We will not compromise and discover God. A compromise will only lead us further away from God. There's this baking analogy that I don't fully understand because I'm not a baker. 
Um, the last little while, I've baked a couple of things at our house. But I can only bake with the stuff that comes in a box. And on the front, it has big letters that says you only need to add water. Or you only need to add an egg and water. I can bake that. I can measure out two-thirds of a cup of water, crack an egg, mix it all up, and pour it in a pan. I'm not a baker. That's the extent of what I know. And so I read this, and I can understand it, but I don't fully understand it. Paul, I know you're getting into baking bread. And so you'll at least be able to understand this more, more than I can. But Paul will write about this idea of a little bit of compromise and what it means. Paul will write this about our lives and our sin and compromise, and he will say, do you not, or don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough. Now I know what yeast is. I don't know what leavens means. But Paul will tell us that if you add a little bit of yeast to the dough, it all becomes yeastified. It all becomes, becomes leavened. You can't just add a little bit and think the rest of it isn't affected by it. You can't just put a little bit in and it'll be fine. But if we, so if we accept a little bit of compromise, a little bit of, it's not okay, but it's okay. A little bit of, it could be worse. It, it's not just contained there. You add a little bit of yeast, it affects the whole thing. We take a step in a little bit of compromise. And we think, it'll just affect that thing. It'll just be the food I ate. It'll just be this little, tiny, small part of my life. It won't affect anything else. You've been yeastified. We had just a little dash of compromise in our walk with God. And it, it doesn't affect just that little teeny area. It affects the whole thing. Now back to Daniel, the next, the next few verses. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. That's a good thing. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other men your age? The king would, would then have my head because of you. The third thing that culture wants to do to us is that culture wants to confront you with culture and the consequences of not being a part of that culture. See, Daniel's convictions and what Daniel believed he needed to do could have some very real consequences for this official. See, kings back then, they didn't take kindly to people, especially little know-nothing slaves like Daniel was. He may have been put in this position, but, but remember, they told him, don't forget who you are. And the king certainly didn't forget who he was. And the king don't, doesn't take time, kindly to someone like Daniel saying no. And doesn't particularly take kindly to the messenger who's brought the message that Daniel says no. And this beheading thing, it's not an exaggeration. It's a very real consequence. And, and so Daniel's convictions and his identity are confronted by the reality of living out his, the call on his life from God inside of this culture. What it means to live for God inside of this culture. And he's confronted and said, man, if we do this, if you do this, there's going to be very real consequences. 
It's all well and good that you think that. It's, it's all well and good that you believe that, but, man, that's just not how we do things here. That, that's just not how things work here. That, that's not how we think here. Those are not our morals and our ethics here. It's not the way that we view things here. And if, if you want to do things this way, if you want to live like that, if, if you want to see things like that, it's okay. But know that culturally doesn't really work for us. And to hold to the things you're holding to, that might even come with consequences. It might even be consequential for you or for the people around you if you're holding to that. And as we walk out our faith, we will be inevitably confronted by this. That's old-fashioned. You don't really think that, do you? You don't believe that. You actually believe in the Bible? You, you don't really believe in Jesus. Those are just myths and stories. They're, they have a good moral, but you don't really believe that, do you? Don't you know as a culture, we've moved past that? We're smarter than that. We're more enlightened than that. Don't you know that we live in a post-Christian society? You know that that means we've moved on from Christianity, don't you? And if you're going to choose to believe that, to live like that, to live out the moralities that come from that, it doesn't really work for us culturally, you know? And so what does this mean for us? What is the point that we need to come to in all of this? As we, as we see Daniel stand up in the midst of this culture that says there's going to be consequences, and we see the miraculous work of the Lord in his life, and he says, let me do this thing where I'm all, let me try for 10 days, and if things get worse, then, then we'll stop. And he trusts in God, and God delivers him. It says at the end of the 10 days, he was the most physically fit out of all of them. But so if we understand that this is what culture wants to do to us, what do what, what is it not even to us, which is what, what culture wants to do? What do we need to know? What do we need to understand? The first thing we need to know is that culture is not good or bad. It's just a thing that is. We said it earlier, we are not at war with culture. We are the culture. And our culture today isn't bad. But the enemy can use culture for bad. And when the enemy convinces us that we need to, that culture is bad and we need to remove ourselves and be away from all of it and not engage in it, that becomes bad. But culture isn't bad and culture isn't good. And so we work inside of our culture. I remember several years ago now um, when, I was, when I was just a kid um, and we went to a a different church. And there was a big issue inside of the church because the worship team was adding drums. And, and I don't know that drums are Christian. And people left the church. And, and as the church is responding to culture, people are saying, whoa, now. Culture changes, and, and the church does change to reflect that. If you go back and you look at what church looked like 100 years ago, it doesn't look like what church looks like now. That's neither good nor bad. It's a reflection of the culture that we live in. 
culture in and of itself isn't good or bad. But we also need to know that, that culture in its wrong place will never lead us closer to God. When we elevate culture to a place higher than it's supposed to be, it's never going to get us closer to Jesus. Whether we elevate culture to a place where we say we need to, to allow culture to shape the gospel. And we need to have a gospel of Jesus that's culturally appropriate, culturally sensitive, and is acceptable. And so we need to sand down all of the rough edges. That's not going to lead us closer to Jesus. But if we say that, that we need to re, like reject culture and not be a part, and we put culture in such this, this high place that it, we discover it's got to be just rejected, that's not going to lead us closer to being who God has called us to be either. When we take cultural touchstones and give them the wrong kind of prominence, when we take cultural thinking and morality and philosophy and elevate it to the place alongside of Scripture, when we take cultural issues and we elevate how we feel about them to the most important thing about ourselves, that when we start adding adjectives to our Christianity, or even worse, when we look at issues and how we feel about them, and it starts to inform how we think about other people, that... I can't love them because of how they think about this. None of that will ever lead us to being more Christ-like. Culture is going to look to shape our identity. It's going to look to get us to compromise, to, to fit its mold of, of where it thinks we should be. And it's going to confront us with itself and the consequences of, of not being in line with what we think or what it thinks we should be. Culture is not good nor bad. But culture has to have an appropriate place. And over the next few weeks, we're going to unpack what it looks like for us to live inside of our culture. And how we respond to culture. And, and how we can, in a good way be shaped by our culture. And how, in an even better way, we can be a part of shaping our culture. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you that, that when, when Esther had the opportunity to be, to, to be looked at as, as queen, the opportunity to, to, to have this, this the opportunity to, to, to save her people, that what was said to her was, Perhaps you've been created for such a time as this. And God, I thank you that that's true for each one of us. That, that we were created for such a time as this. That the place we find ourselves in history, the place we find ourselves in culture, the place we find ourselves living. God, I thank you that, that you knew all that would be before it was. And you looked at each one of us and you said, they need to be there for such a time as this. And so God, my prayer for, for each one of us, for, for each one of us today, God, is that we would not allow culture to shape who we are. We would not allow culture to, to shape our, our, our understanding of who we are and what we are to be about. 
And God, I pray that you would help us to not be intimidated by culture into compromise. But God, I also pray that you would give us a heart for our culture. That you would give us a heart for the people around us. That you would give us a heart for the city around us. That you would give us a heart for those that are a part of this culture. God, we don't want to live in war with our culture. God, we want to shape our culture. And God, I pray that you would help us to see and understand that this, this world, we are called to be in this world. But we're not, we're not called to be of this world. And God, I pray that as we look to unpack all that that means, God, would you, would you show us in our lives, perhaps, where we've elevated culture to a place where it's not supposed to be. And, and that we would be able to, to repent and say, God, I don't want to be shaped by that anymore. God, I want to be shaped by you. And God, I pray that if we've, we've allowed culture to shape how we view others, God, would you help us to repent of that and to be able to say, God, that's not what I want either. God, I want, I want to see people the way that you see them. And God, I pray that, that you would help us to not be people who would, who would somehow just see, see what goes on in the world around us and, and just be, be so against everything and mad and just want to get away from all of this culture. But God, would you help us to be effective in changing culture, changing the world's culture into kingdom culture. God, help us not to be at war with the culture. Help us to know we are the culture and help us to shape the culture. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Does life hit you so hard that you've been knocked down? Thanks again for being a part of this message from Hillside Church. We pray that God was able to speak to you through what was shared. We're so grateful to be able to share God's word with our church community and family. And that includes you. And we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hillside Airdrie. You can contact us through email at info at hillsideairdrie.ca. Or you can go to hillsideairdrie.ca and click on contact us from the main menu. Or you can find our pastoral team contact by clicking on our pastors from the Our Church drop-down menu. Our vision for everyone that shares in Hillside Church is that they would know God, know his hope, know his purpose, and know his power in their lives. And we pray this message ministered to you. At Hillside Church, we're a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. As family we go. We both know what it's like to be hurt. We both know what it's like to feel pain. But I think it's safe to say we're on to better days. Can you, can you relate? Can you relate? Have you ever been left when you should have been loved? Has there ever been a time when you stayed but you should have run? Cause I've been real, I've been fake. Been a sinner, been a saint. I've been right, I've been so, so wrong Yeah, I made my mistakes Now I don't know what it's like to be You don't know what it's like to be me What if we're all the same in different kinds of ways? Can you, can you relate? We both know what it's like to be her know what it's like to feel pain 
You don't know what it's like to be me But by the grace of God We'll see each other's hearts